Welcome to Over the Goal Line, a Cornell University women's ice hockey podcast. We remain by the players for the players, but not without recognizing the uncertainty the pandemic has imposed on athletics and the health of people's lives. We welcome you to the show and will appropriately provide updates as we navigate through this season. Now, here is your host, number 23, Finley Frechette. Welcome back, hockey fans, to Over the Goal Line. In the past week, it's been getting a little bit colder in Ithaca. Usually, the cold means hockey season, and hopefully this year is nothing different. On that front, there is no new news to report on the potential season or anything of the sort. Hopefully, we will hear some more information soon. I do, however, have some exciting news. I am hosting the Cornell Men's Hockey Virtual Frozen Apple event on Saturday, November 28th from 8 to 9.30 p.m. In lieu of the men's hockey team playing at Madison Square Garden after Thanksgiving, like usual, there will be a virtual event. I will be interviewing men's hockey head coach Mike Schaefer, Cornell hockey legends Ken Dryden and Joe Newtendike, as well as current players Kyle Betts and Tristan Mullen. Again, that's November 28th at 8 p.m. Another thing I want to bring up is the Battle of the Blades, something that I personally was not very familiar with, but it's really, really cool. And even more interesting because it involves a Cornell hockey alum, Jess Campbell, who graduated in 2014 and wore number eight for the Big Red. The Battle of the Blades is similar to Dancing with the Stars, but it's on ice. The winners win money that will go towards the charity of their choice. Battle of the Blades will also bring more publicity to the sport of hockey and get more female hockey players' names out there. Jess Campbell is matched with ice dancer Asher Hill, where she will be skating on behalf of Do It For Darren, a cause that us at Cornell Hockey all know, love, and fully support. DIFD supports education, awareness, and research initiatives that encourage young people to talk openly about mental illness. Check out Season 6 of Battle of the Blades to support a Cornell hockey alum. And now, here is my interview with Cornell women's hockey fan, coaches club organizer, and St. Paul's school alum, John Gaines. Enjoy! Welcome, everybody, to episode 23 of Over the Goal Line. This is a special episode because, as everyone knows, I am number 23. And I'm joined by John Gaines, who's a huge Cornell hockey fan, the organizer of the Cornell Women's Ice Hockey Coaches Club, and an alum of St. Paul's, where we both actually went to high school. So, John, thank you very much for joining me. Finley, I was going to point out number 23 if you didn't, <laughs> but, but of course you beat me to it. <laughs> Uh, I'm delighted and honored to be here. Well, the first thing I wanted to uh, chat with you about is our St. Paul's connection. Uh, and a lot has changed since you graduated and since I graduated in 2017. But it's pretty cool to have that connection here at Cornell. And it's also pretty great to point out that it's not just me on the team who went to St. Paul's. It's also Gillis and Bella Kang. So there's a lot of overlap. But what do you sort of think about that alum connection? I think it's a great connection. And uh, I graduated from St. Paul's in 1963 <laughs> because I will tell you, when I went, the rinks were primarily seven outdoor rinks on Lower School Pond, mm -hmm. all with boards. Some were practice rinks, but there were, about, I think, four that were regular skating rinks, all with boards and a little tractor that go around and scrape the ice. There was no Zamboni, but there was a little tractor, mm -hmm. uh, like an airport tractor. And of course, St. Paul's School 
is the cradle of American hockey. Mm -hmm. The first organized hockey games happened at St. Paul's School. And uh, when things were very different, there were 11 on each side, and the, <laughs> the, the, the goals were 10 feet wide. Yeah. They were, it was very different then. Um, yeah. So I, only, I grew up playing pond hockey, which meant you walked a half a mile into the woods to this beautiful shallow pond that almost always had black ice. And you might meet up a couple other kids there. This is out in the country in southern New Hampshire. And you, you, you might not. You might wind up skating all by yourself until your feet got so cold you couldn't stand it anymore. But then you knew you had a half a mile walk home. Yeah. And just getting your skates off and getting into some boots to walk home was torture. And by the time you got home, your feet were burning. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the kind of hockey I grew up with. And if you were lucky, maybe you'd have three or four other kids mm -hmm. and you'd skate for a couple hundred yards with a, maybe you had a puck or you'd just use a piece of ice, break off a piece of ice and use it. Uh, so I really enjoy the connection with uh, St. Paul's school alum, Cornell. <laughs> yeah. uh, to my knowledge, uh, you were the first. <laughs> yeah, one of my... Uh favorite St. Paul's memories is skating on the pond. Uh, my senior year, they put in lights in the trees. So we were able to go out at night, which was pretty great because usually I would, I would miss the daylight hours of skating because I would have practice, but going out at night with my friends who did or didn't play hockey, just ha playing a pickup game. It was kind of brought me back to my youth and that's sort of, you, you do it because you love it. And it was really fun. Um, but I do want to ask the next question, which is, why and how did you end up in Ithaca, and how did you become such a big Cornell hockey fan? I wound up in Ithaca, like many other people, to come to school here. But at that time, I was, I was pre-vet. I wanted to be a veterinarian. And so uh, I applied for Cornell early decision and uh, got in and, and came to Ithaca in 1963. Pat and I got married at, at the, before I came back for my sophomore year. And uh, so we became hockey fans because uh, we were uh, season ticket holders for men. There were, was no women's hockey in those days. And so it, uh, as season ticket holders for men, we went to a lot of the games. And that was during the, the period in the 65 to 67 when the men's hockey team really came to life under Ned Harkness. Mm -hmm. And uh, we would sit in the corner uh, down by the goalie at the closed end of the rink uh, later on with our baby in hand and we'd feed him, we'd dress him in snowsuits and feed him bottles all during the time, during the game. <laughs> so we were men's hockey fans then. We left here in uh, 1968 to go to the University of Vermont for grad school for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we went to some Catamount games mm -hmm. up there and a lot of the fans there envied Cornell and the Cornell fans because Cornell had won a national championship. Mm -hmm. um, so we spent three years there, six years in Southern New York State in Brewster, which is about 55 miles north of New York City, and then came back to Ithaca in 77. Great. Didn't get back into men's hockey because it was really hard to get tickets then in the mm -hmm. 70s. You know, it was the glory days that Cornell had won two national championships and uh, line of rink was packed. Mm -hmm. It was really, you had to stand in line for hours as a townie to get tickets. I miss, uh, I miss so, line of rink being packed. Hopefully we will have that again soon. <laughs> oh, hope so. <laughs> you know, women's hockey in those days was free. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to pay to go for men's games, but the women's games were free. Just go watch them. So we started doing that, and uh, that was probably 2009, 2010, we became regular fans. 
That's great. We're very grateful for all of you guys' your support. Um, and now I want to move into talking about the Coaches Club. As you told me before we started recording, there's no actual titles, but you are the organizer of the Cornell Women's Ice Hockey Coaches Club. <laughs> Could you uh, briefly describe what the Coaches Club is? Sure. There's a very active Cornell Hockey Association for the men. How come there's nothing for the women? So we found a way working with Cornell. It took us about four or five months to create the Coaches Club as an informal organization. And we've continued that way. Now, we started very small and simply, and, and we've branched into many other things since then. Uh, but one of the things we always wanted to do was particularly to make new team members and the parents and families of new team members welcome at Lina. Mm -hmm. So we have always worked at that. So in later years, what we've done is everybody gets a name tag from me that identifies who they are, the player number and what their name is. And uh, parents get to wear those. And we go around introducing parents to each other that, that uh, may not know each other. We do name tags. We do coffee and goodies between the periods. I do a newsletter once a week during this season. I've been doing that now for probably eight years. Uh, we do afterglows. Yeah, it's a pretty great thing to watch because, you know, you mentioned afterglows and being able to go out in our jerseys and see our fans and talk to them and make that connection because we do have amazing fans, but sometimes we don't actually get to talk to them. Um, they just come to our games and see us behind the mask, but they don't get to actually have that connection. So that's pretty cool from a player's perspective to give back and to really say thank you because um, we are really appreciative of the fans and their support and their dedication to our team every single year. So thank you very much for what you do with the Coaches Club. That's a big part of what we do. And, and it's amazing how people step up. And as you know, on the road, mm -hmm. it's amazing the people that travel with the team. Yeah, it was one of my one of my coolest memories was us sophomore year when we were leaving for the Frozen Four, and um, there were a bunch of fans lined up outside the bus with signs and cheering us on, and they kind of surprised us, um, and they were able to come out and have posters, and that was really a great experience for us, kind of running out to the bus, and it was a it was a great send off. I get the chills thinking about that moment. It was pretty cool. <laughs> So now I want to talk about your favorite Cornell hockey memory because you've been involved in going to Cornell hockey games far before I had been. So I was wondering if you could maybe say a recent one and then one from several years ago. It has to be uh, a BU game. Um, it was 2012, March of 2012. Uh, and it was the uh, NCAA first round. It, it was the most bizarre hockey game you can ever imagine. BU came out in the first period, scored three goals, mm -hmm. took line of fans right out of the game. Cornell came back with one goal at the end of the first, as I recall. And then Cornell came back with three goals in the second. Mm -hmm. So you don't, just don't three, I mean, that's all lacrosse scores, right? You're a lacrosse player. Yeah. Scoring three goals in a row in lacrosse is not at all unusual. No, but hockey, it's a little goals different. In <laughs> hockey, it's different. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It's, it's like a lacrosse game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the game ended 7-7. <laughs> and then first overtime, no score. Second overtime, no score. <laughs> and I'll tell you, during this time, one of the reasons it's memorable, we were supposed to be at a dinner at somebody's house. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I, had to keep, I had to keep calling them on my cell phone and say, we can't come yet. We can't leave this game. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be late. We're going to be really, really late. <laughs> we're going to be really late because now we're – 
into this you know the end of the second game mm-hmm. <laughs> the men were supposed to play afterwards and they were hanging around watching waiting for the women to finish so they could get on the ice and do warm-ups and finally Lorianne Rougeau uh, took a beautiful feed and uh, scored the goal and Lina just went crazy yeah. and there were over 2,000 fans at that game yeah 21-43 at that game that's and great. it was just for women's hockey coach would even tell you that was probably one of his most memorable games mm-hmm. ever yeah, for the listeners, um, back in episode 11, I had Brianne Jenner on, and she actually talked about this game from the players' perspective and how exhausted they were in the locker room and the Gatorade and, and everything. So hearing from you um, from a fan's perspective is also kind of funny, but if the listeners want to go back and find episode 11 and hear from one of the players in that memory, that is also available. <laughs> and then for a recent game, I'll go on to recent game, it has to be Northeastern. Many players have talked about Northeastern as you've interviewed them for this. Your sister's goal Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. overtime Mm -hmm. to beat Northeastern. I I had helped arrange a fan bus to be there, but I couldn't be on that bus. So I had to watch the game online (laughs) because I had to be here for a family event. Oh, goodness. And so we were able to get a lot of fans there for the game, but I couldn't go. Uh, And then it was made even more special for me when I heard, I think from your mom, Finley, Mm -hmm. that your grandfather was right there and Gillis was skating right Right down to him. (laughs) And it was all right there in front of the family. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, it was in Boston, so that was great. And my grandpa is had recently moved from Maryland to Boston um, and he hasn't been able to come to a lot of games. So he was there for that. And it was easy for him to really tell what was going on because it was literally right there. Gillis, his granddaughter skating at him and scored. And it was, it was easy to follow. It was clear that she had done it. She had won it for the team, which is great. (laughs) And, and, and for me that, that, that's really memorable because of those two pieces, not just the goal mm-hmm. and how it all happened and the beautiful feed she got. From Diana Buckley. Gets forgotten. From Diana Buckley. <laughs> um, and, and uh, you know, it, the way the team worked, it was a team goal mm-hmm. uh, with an individual, huge individual effort. But then there was the family piece, learning about that later. Mm-hmm. And those are the pieces for me to put it together. It's not just the players on the ice but it's the family stories and they're just amazing stories yeah. that all of our parents and families bring. Uh, you know, I think at Amy Curlew, uh, having to leave Newfoundland at, at 13, 14 mm-hmm. and move away from home to go play hockey. Mm-hmm. And then she had some physical issues and, and uh, you know, they're, they're just full of Julianne Sonier, same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, had, she couldn't play at the level she wanted to in Nova Scotia had to leave home, have to leave Halifax to go to Ontario, uh, actually first Calgary, yeah. to play mm-hmm. at the level she wanted to play at. Yeah. Um, you know, the families are just full of these kinds of stories. Mm-hmm. And as you get to know them and, and hear these stories, it, it adds a huge dimension yeah. to the game. Yeah, it is. it does. One other thing, I don't remember if I've said this on my podcast or to my friends, I get confused, but from the Northeastern game, my whole family was there. Obviously it was in Boston, my grandpa, my parents, some of their college friends, and my brothers were there too, but my brothers weren't sitting where my parents were right behind. They were sort of up in the upper bowl on the other side of the rink. I don't know how they'd got there, but 
they were there. And so Gillis scored and they didn't know what to do because they weren't with my parents. They needed to celebrate. So they were just yelling as loud as they could around this bowl, trying to find the stairs down, screaming, hugging each other. And they finally, finally found my parents and just like leaped into their arms and they didn't know what to do. But it's, it's funny sort of interviewing my family about their individual moments in that game and that moment because <laughs> because everyone had a little bit of a different experience but um as that adds to the to the family perspective that you were talking about <laughs> yeah and and for me for me the, the last thing probably is that that uh organizing the coaches club and being a women's hockey fan has added a dimension to our lives uh in that um something to do in retirement for one but I spent my life working with court place teenagers and detention facilities and um, working with the, the student athletes at Cornell is just a completely different kind of thing. And that's what I was looking for, mm -hmm. something completely different. It's an amazing group of people. It's amazing coaching staff. It's an amazing fan base and with amazing families. And we've made friends. We, you know, we traveled last year in Ontario and, and had, a, had a meal with the Jenners and, and uh, uh, also with the Bourbonnais. Uh, so, you know, we, we get to meet amazing people and hear great stories. And it, for me, it's allowed me to, to know some of the best athletes that there are, Olympians. Yeah, that's, again, really great to hear from your perspective and being sort of an outsider, but being welcomed into the Cornell hockey family and sort of becoming becoming part of it. Um, and that's what it's really all about in the end is making those lasting bonds. I know I have just being a member of the team and the alum connections and the coaches club and everyone that's there to support us and to cheer us on when we're playing, when we're not, when we graduate. Um, it's sort of an everlasting family, which is really, really great to be a part of. Okay, so now I know when I initially emailed you and asked you for you to be a guest on Over the Goal Line, I did not include any trivia, but since then, Coach has given me some good questions that I think would be great to ask you as a longtime Cornell Women's Hockey fan. So I only have three. Answer to the best of your ability, and if you don't know, I will tell you so that everybody can learn and grow. How many Ivy League titles have we won in women's hockey? I could only guess, and I'd say 12. All right. The answer is actually 15. Two of those titles were shared, but 15. 13 outright, and I was one off. Yeah, there okay, you go. Okay, let's go off. There you go. You were close. <laughs> the second question, what are the most wins any Cornell women's hockey team had in one season? I think the answer is 31, but I can't remember the year. That's correct. 31, and it was in 2010. So you're, you're doing pretty well. The final question that I have for trivia is who has the most game-winning goals in their career? Oh, a tough one. Uh, I mean, I could guess Rebecca Johnston. I could guess Brianne Jenner. Uh, but it may actually go back because uh, Cindy Warren uh, was a huge goal scorer earlier on. Maybe I'll stay with Cindy. Cindy? All right. The correct answer, and I wish I had um, the stats for all the people you just mentioned, is actually Kristen O'Neill. She's had 21 wow. in her career. Um, so I'm sure it would be interesting to compare overall points to game-winning goals, but the winner is Kristen for this one. <laughs> I am ashamed of myself. Someone I know. Yeah, someone you know who, who was here not even a year ago, just graduated. <laughs> 
<laughs> all right. Well, John, that's all I have for you. Uh, thank you very much for joining Over the Goal Line, episode 23, and for all you do for Cornell Women's Hockey. A pleasure to be here. It was a lot of fun. And that'll do it for episode 23 of Over the Goal Line. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll talk to you in two weeks. Let's go, Red! Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Over the Goal Line, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and WVBR.com. Follow us on social media at Over the Goal Line and follow the team at Cornell W Hockey. Until next time, go Big Red! Red!